Hey there out there. You are deeply tuned in right now, man, to the Real People Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ginsberg. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Happy March, everybody. Happy March. It's about to be spring. We're at that awkward phase now where it's like, it's warm, it's warm. It's cold. Crawl back up, crawl back up. It's warm, it's warm. It's cold again. And finally, it'll be warm forever, and then it'll be 150 degrees. We made it. My guest today is Alexander J. Hancock. He's a runner and a writer and a really interesting guy. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation quite a bit. I'm excited to have him on. My 32nd deep thought this week is around Judge Judy. Judge Judy is one of those shows that it seems like it's always on. I don't know. I guess, well, I take that back because on my own television, I've never seen Judge Judy on. But when I go visit my mom, like when I visit my parents at four o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday, it's always on. I think you have to, like, turn the lights off and have nothing to do in the afternoon, and that kind of seance-type ritual summons Judge Judy to be on for, like, six hours, and then you watch it, even though you've seen all the episodes already. And it's interesting. My, my deep thought is really just around watching someone else watch Judge Judy. Like, I went home the other day to visit my mom, and she was watching Judge Judy compulsively, and I, I had this sensation while watching her watch Judge Judy that the show is called Judge Judy, not because Judge Judy is the judge, but because when my mom watches it, or someone like my mom watches Judge Judy, they become the judge. They get to judge other people, right? So, like, you become the judge as the viewer. You know, you're watching some guy tell a sob story about how he didn't actually mean to dent his ex-wife's car when he kicked it. That's not what happened, you know? And my mom will watch it and go, oh, of course you did it. Of course you did it. You're so fat. You know, just, just judging. And then when the ex-wife gives her testimony, she'll be like, you know, he pushed me and he pushed me into the car. There was a dent in the car. She'll be like, oh, you did it too. You're no winner either. Look at your tattoos. Ugh. That's what happens when you watch Judge Judy, man. You just start judging. You're watching people resolve their conflicts through arbitration on a daytime television show. Like, you know, you got to judge them. But I think all of us watching someone else watch it become kind of like that security guard guy. Uh, What's his name like? Bernard or something, she'll, you know, she'll be like, "What do you think of this?" I'll be like, "I don't know." Yeah, these these people, I don't know. That's what I'm like. I'm like, my mom's like, "Can you believe this?" I'm like, "I don't know." I become like that guy. All right, let's get this thing off the ground. My guest today on the Real People Podcast is Alex J. Hancock, Alexander J. Hancock. Alex is a writer, an editor, a publisher, a helper, a runner. Uh, he's based in Los Angeles, California. He's a really, really interesting, deep dude. He's wrote some really great articles on the parallels between mental health and running that are available on Medium. They're in the links to this episode. I implore you to check them out. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Alex and hearing about how he stays creative, how he stays focused, what running means to him, how it helps him keep a zen state. Um, We talked about moving to L.A. and um, I I just like talking to Alex. I edit a lot of these episodes, as you know, like when we finish a recording, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time uh, dissecting it. And um, when I'm playing them back, I'm not usually going through the content as much, to be honest with you. And I, I just mentioned that because like I really got engaged <laughs> with this epi- with my own episode this time, uh, just talking to Alex and listening to him. And I played it back a few times. And even when I was done, I, I listened to it in the car today, which I do it's just a very rare thing for me to do to like, oh, let me listen to the real people podcast. <laughs> I'm insane. You know, um, because I was a part of it when it happened, and, you know, you get what I'm trying to say. I, I really like this one. It was really, really um, interesting because of Alex. And, um, yeah, I mean, what, what can I say? I want to thank him for coming on, for, for, for sharing his, his kind of insights into how to be creative amongst a very pandemic-y, COVID-y world, and how he stays positive, and how he uses running to keep, uh, to keep himself afloat, man. Really good dude. Introducing Alex Hancock. <laughs> That's why my hair is so long. Dude, I was going to say, I was going to say as soon as I saw you, like, uh, I mean, you've been known to grow your hair the longest anyone's ever grown it and then cut it all off and then grow it back again. But it looks like you've consistently kept it long, which I'm happy for you. Because, like, as you see, I continue to go balder and you continue to get better looking. Tell me about that. I don't, I don't know about that second part of that, but yeah, there, there's actually there, I was, I was growing my hair out again for a a race I was supposed to run. Um, that was, yeah, this, it was this ridiculous, uh, relay rate, a team relay from Santa Monica Mm. to Las Vegas. Typically our goal, our goal was to finish it in 40 hours. And I had 
right when I started training, I had cut my hair short and then I thought it would be really, really funny for whatever reason. This is not actually funny, but I was like, I'm not going to cut my hair until I get to Vegas. And I was like, I was going to make a, a hair appointment for in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. But then the race was postponed and it became like virtual. And then, and, and you know, that... now you won't get a cut till there's a cure, man. Basically. Until, until there's no more, till there's no more COVID. Basically. Yeah. Until I feel comfortable going into a salon. Cause I don't do barbershops because I'm fussy. Uh, okay. Oh, that's okay. You don't need to. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you have no reason to get a haircut. Yeah. Like, I wish I, I'm so jealous of your hair. I always have been because I used to have long hair before it was taken away from me. Um, and that's that's so what is that like an ultra marathon? Is that what they call that? Like, are you one of those yeah, it, people? I think this would technically be an ultra relay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a relay race. It's, so you don't run consistently the whole time. No. Um, when we, we ended up doing the virtual one, like my team got an Airbnb in Marina del Rey. So we were like mm. on the beach. Um, nice. And we did it in like 30 minute segments, except for the, the middle of the day when it was super hot. We did 20 minute segments. During the real race, we were going to do like basically a rot rotating 5Ks. Wow. For. 40 hours <laughs> Damn. I... <laughs> through, through the oh. desert like not like through the desert like dirt roads yeah yeah it's gonna be tough that sounds uh that sounds like like uh like dangerous <laughs> like, like what would what would training for that even look like you, like what happens if you, something happens to you in the desert do you have to be prepared for that yeah yeah they the organizers <laughs> encourage you to buy helicopter insurance or insurance to cover <laughs> if you have to be helicoptered out of the desert <laughs> wow i bet i can't even imagine that like imagine calling up geico and asking about that helicopter policy it's like <laughs> wow no one's ever asked about this yeah <laughs> Geico would say, oh, are you running the speed project? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, we get right, right. 700 of these calls a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I want to hear more about that. And obviously you're um, you're really into running. And I've obviously noticed that by knowing you and then following you on Instagram over the years. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I would like to talk about running um, extensively. <laughs> but before we dive into that, I have more a more pressing uh, topic to lead off with, if you don't mind. Yeah, totally. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about pizza because oh. I know. <laughs> Thank you. You know, before, you know, because uh, I know you do a lot of interesting things. <clears throat> you write. Um, when I knew you years ago, you were into film writing. I don't know if you still are. Um, we could talk about that. I know that you're into running and the positive effects it's had on mental health. I've read your medium articles. But you do also manage this uh, pizza Instagram account, right? The Fuck Yeah Pizza. That's all you? Fuck Yeah Pizza. It's all me. Yeah. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about that a little bit. Uh, let's, let's, I just, uh, where did that start? Well, I, I was looking at my life last year, and I thought, <laughs> what's going to make me my millions? Right. And I realized. <laughs> it dawned on you. If only people could see my pizza. <laughs> it dawned on me. What I need is 66 people to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> to see my pictures of pizza honestly i did i i i do i make pizza almost every single day uh wow and i uh, i started posting the pictures to instagram and it wasn't like there was no nobody was asking for these pictures nobody was asking right. for fuck yeah pizza <laughs> to exist uh i realized Genuinely, I was like, nobody wants to, like, or, or maybe not nobody wants to see. I didn't want to clutter up my regular online presence with yeah. just pizza. <laughs> like, I was posting you so thought, much. You didn't want your brand to be pizza? It, it, like... But in hindsight, yeah, that's exactly what I want my brand to be. <laughs> Given up everything except pizza. I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to move, and um, I had to, you know. Uh, even in the pandemic, you know, rent has gotten a little bit more reasonable, slightly more reasonable in L.A., but it's still yeah. pretty hard to find a place that checks every single box for you. And mm -hmm. the sacrifice, I found this perfect apartment. The sacrifice is there's no oven. Uh, no. But I, it's, it's in one of those buildings that's for, like, you know, the worst kind of gentrifier. Uh, it's yeah. in, in the arts district, you know, which is classic, like used to be interesting in lofts. And now there's this hideous building that I'm moving into <laughs> and pl nice. places like that are having, it sounds lovely. Yeah, it's amazing. Can't <laughs> wait. Uh, in unit washer dryer excuses everything. Whoa. I know. Uh, oh boy. That's pretty. But the, uh, the sacrifice <laughs> that I made or, or so I got, I got enough of a deal on it that, 
two free months plus a $1,000 concession. And so I was like, all right, two free months. Awesome. That $1,000 concession I am just using to buy a $1,000 indoor pizza oven. Wow. Which is the most lavish thing I've ever... I'm moving into this place to help pay down my debts. And I'm starting <laughs> by buying a $1,000 pizza oven. Yeah, but it seems like you've worked out the math, right? Like I, moving I into have. the place with no oven enables you to have a $1,000 pizza oven. That's kind of a good trade-off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I yeah. keep a really rigorous finances spreadsheet. Uh, oh, do you? It, it recently turned 10 years old. I've had the, the same file for 10 years oh, with yeah. my finances. And I did, I broke it all down and uh, it made sense. But yeah, I mean, I, I love making pizza and <laughs> back, to, back to the original question. <laughs> I don't even know if there was a question. I'm just- <laughs> No, there was, I, well, the question was tell me about pizza, but the, something you said that stuck out to me was that you make pizza every day. I do, I do. You make pizza, you make a pizza every single day? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, don't you think that's a lot of pizza? No. Oh, I don't either. I mean, I, I mean, that's I, that's an incredible way to live. And if I guess if I was running 87 miles at a time, I would eat pizza every day, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're small. What I the, what, what I do, <laughs> yeah. my my batch of dough makes four kind of four 10 inch pizzas. And so gotcha. I'll usually on like a Sunday, I'll make dough, have pizza for dinner Sunday. And then it's my favorite part of working from home is that I can make a I can make a pizza uh, yeah. for lunch like any day that i want and yeah. so i do it every single day because that's the every day that i want <laughs> but the all right so moving on to like i mean the main reason i want i mean i want to talk to you for a lot of reasons as i mentioned earlier in the podcast because you do a lot of things but i i am kind of interested in like when i when i last spoke to you a few years ago we were just so people listening know we were co-workers and i would say borderline friends and we uh and this we lived together not together but we lived in san francisco at the same time period and then i moved to new york and then you were about to move to la and uh we kind of stopped communicating as frequently um or not at all because it's the first time talking to you in a few years but i followed you you became like kind of one of those people who were like and i'm sure you have people like this too maybe i'm one of these people to you who just become like content in your feeds and you're like oh i know i know everything that they're up to because i follow them you know what i mean um and i, I was kind of curious like it seems like you be, I mean, you were into running, but it seems like you're like really into running now. And um, that running has trickled into your writing. So like you used to write as and again, I'm just kind of speaking, telling you what you used to do. But as I remember, you used to write like stuff like dramatic stuff, like maybe that would be on screen or something like that. Um, but now it seems like you're merging your like learnings that you've had while pushing yourself to run um, as it ties into mental health and then also. Um, kind of putting all that stuff on the page. It seemed, that's how I kind of interpreted it. And I've read a bunch of your articles on Medium, and I don't know, I guess we'll just say, like, you know, let's just talk about running a little bit. Like, so uh, where are you at with that right now? What, is what I'm saying on the mark? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I thought that was really <laughs> fascinating to hear an outside person, especially because we haven't talked all that much for the last maybe, what, three, three four years? Three years. Um, yeah, three years. Yeah. And it's very interesting. I guess, maybe, yeah. So it's it's interesting to hear like the way somebody else perceives your own sort of public <laughs> presentation of your activities. Yeah. I that was that was really valuable for me, actually. Um, yeah, I I mean, because it was impressive. Like it seemed like you know you obviously you're this. Um, I mean, you're a pretty serious athlete in the term in terms of how you run. Like, I mean, even talking about doing a relay race to Nevada is not something that everybody can talk about. You know, even if you do run like 5Ks and stuff, I think that that's pretty. I, when I made that joke before, like you're an ultra marathon runner, I was like, that's pretty serious, you know, because um, like what you do is serious. But I, I was kind of yeah, I was interested in how like it just seemed like you like discovered a lot about yourself through running and then and now are putting that on the page. And I think that that's really interesting because um I mean, it's, it sounds like that might be something that other people could do and enjoy, you know, and make, I just wanted to hear your perspective on how that's kind of shaped out for you. Yeah. I, um, God, I, I don't even know where to, to start talking about that. I, I am, I'm a less, well, I don't know how serious of a runner I am right now. I've been dealing with a lot of injuries in the, uh, the, the last two years, um, almost exactly yeah. two years ago, I fell on a train oh, no. <laughs> and twisted my knee <laughs> and it's, uh. um, it was such a stupid, you know, it was like the first rainstorm LA had had in five years. 
and you forgot that things were slippery <laughs> literally <laughs> you're like how, how does water work yeah <laughs> you know i was on one of those fancy commuter trains and i always sit on the the, the upper level so i was going downstairs and it was like there was even a sign it's like caution slippery and i was like i'm from the east coast i lived in new orleans like i know rain <laughs> and then <laughs> oh no um, i'm sorry to hear that and and since then i've had like I've had just had so many injuries and I, I, I tore a tendon in my foot after I ran the L actually before I ran the LA marathon, um, which was in 2019, two years ago. And yeah. so that year I was dealing with a lot of injuries and I was also in a, a pretty, I was in a pretty dark place. You know, I was like recently divorced, which was uh, super, I mean, obviously like that's a disruptive life experience. Uh, I yeah. got bed bugs, which uh. just, that seems like that's like the next thing that happens after you get divorced. I've never yeah. been divorced, but uh, it's like it's like I got I got divorced, and then I got bed bugs. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> then my then my Wayfair shelf I assembled just fell apart. The screws weren't right, and then, then my soup was cold. Yeah, so, sorry. And then I got into a scooter accident. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, I had like a Damn, like a uh, Vespa thingy. Um, Damn. And you know, it was like I always have to say like you know a scooter. Like a Vespa, but not a Vespa, because then people think bird scooter, and they're like, then they just laugh. Uh, I feel like, gotcha, you know, gotcha. I was going 40 miles per hour. It's a motorcycle accident. <laughs> it wasn't a razor. Yeah, exactly. It was a motorcycle accident, <laughs> but the motorcycle happened to be this dainty light blue, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, anyway, the point of all of that is that I, I'm not certain. I haven't run since... Um, since i think late september so or maybe early october okay. so i i was supposed to run uh, it's this race called the speed project that is a relay race from santa monica to las vegas it there's no course you just have to mm. go and and run wow. the somebody has to be running the whole time um and you can there's sort of a established common course my team was going to do a uh, a shortcut through death valley not through wow. death valley I mean, a little south of death valley um sure <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad nothing bad can really happen on the border of death valley <laughs> exactly yeah, that sounds sounds like you're taking the right amount of precautions yeah um <laughs> so that so i was and like after the scooter accident i started running too soon because of this race and uh it was just really exacerbating my knee things and so wow. the race was postponed because of the pandemic. I sat myself down for eight to 10 weeks and then they, they rescheduled it as a virtual thing. And I should not have, but <laughs> I agreed to still run the virtual version and I started training oh. again and uh, my knee was unhappy the whole time. I did run that thing. And so when you said that it was a serious ultra, ultra marathoner, I've never run an ultra marathon, but the weekend of the virtual version of the speed project, I, I ran, I think 43 miles in wow. 30 hours. And so that's I, not all that's, at once, but you know, yeah, an ultra marathon so. is anything over 26.2. So I guess it technically counts. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. You seem like you don't think that's amazing. That's that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> this is the way my brain. This is the way my brain works with running. But I'm also trying to kind of tamp down on this. I I wish I had done more. You know, our team didn't do all that. We came in like seventieth. You know, and I, uh, I there were some really. It's it's funny because it's what we started at five a.m. Saturday or something like that. Maybe five four a.m. Saturday. And then yeah. finished at eleven fifteen a.m. Sunday, and you really like it's it, it's the the rhythm the 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 arc of your experience in that is really really wild because it went it was and it was a ridiculously hot weekend like yeah. inland Southern California like where my apartment it was like one hundred fifteen hundred twenty degrees. And we were on the beach or right by the beach in Marina del Rey. And it was still like 85, 90, which is absurdly hot for coastal California. And um, so, you know, we're like those 1 p.m. legs, obviously so different than 1 a.m. And, yeah. and doing the same loop around the neighborhood over and over and over again at different times was a really cool you just like sort of get that feeling of like the uh, the way 
and the, the way the world changes over the course of like 30 hours it was very interesting you're connected to it yeah right? like the, the, that's kind of like like when you're running I, I i i don't run but i have run like over the summer i tried to run you know what i mean and it's and, and there's no way of comparing what i do with you but what i learned what you do but what i what i figured out was that like like obviously like when you run that you do kind of have this like sense this kind of sense of well-being or like accomplishment that you can only get i feel like from like completing a run you know what i mean like even if it's a small one right um and it, i feel like it puts you like it just is a good way to and again this is on a very limited this is my very limited narrow understanding of running um it, it you're you feel sort of like connected with things you know because you did it you can kind of hear the birds better just things seem heightened afterward you know so when you're building up to that sort of run, I mean, you, I feel like the more that you're training, you must get more and more embedded in like the world, right? Because you're breathing in air, you're 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 probably evaluating like, you know, how your body functions amongst the elements, amongst the terrain. I'm, I'm literally guessing. You tell me, but you're you're thinking about your breath, what the air will be like, all these things, and so you're it's you're the it, the whole ecosystem makes your run successful, right? And you're part of it. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. You you described it accurately. And and because cool. I haven't been running for the last, I guess it's like six months or four months now for for a while. It's one of my yeah. one of my longest breaks of no running um, or longest periods of no running since I started running seriously when I think I was 26 or 27. And I can't wait to have that feeling again because that's like yeah. there are, are few things I like at in this world as much as that feeling that you're describing there, and especially like a really long run. I really miss running for like four hours, and wow. I don't listen to music when I run. So it's I it's it's really um, the only thing I've experienced that's similar to the feeling of at the end of a of a hard run, whether it's short and fast medium length and hilly long and hot long and cold you know whatever there there are so many different ways that you can do it and to get that same feeling at the end of it um and the only thing close to it is if you have a really uh, successful effective meditation session you know I, I had never meditated until this past year and yeah. uh and, and I started because I, I didn't have a commute anymore and I was having a lot of trouble turning off my work brain into my evening brain. And it, yeah. I, that like just 15 minutes of laying down on my yoga mat, listening to you know spa music. And once I kind of figured out what I'm supposed to be doing and how to like, how, how to um, release and relax my brain, I, every now and then I'll like come, I'll finish a meditation ses session and, and say out loud to myself and to my cat, like, Oh, that was a good one. You know, like you, yeah. you get that feeling that's like you're energized, but also tired, but also like yeah. feeling clear, you know, clear headed. Uh, it's a great you're feeling. doing the work. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I feel like they call it mindfulness because it, it makes you, puts you in a situation where you, I, I mean, I, I do the meditation stuff. I can say I do that. Um, I don't run. But um, it makes you consider your own thoughts and then kind of get consider them and then let them go. Like if you notice them, you know, you're like, OK, you kind of can see like where they're coming from and like why they're happening and how they're surfacing. And then and you can kind of like watch them just kind of drift away. And then that's like liberating. But that's work, you know, and like I felt like because I felt like running probably does is like similar. That makes sense to me, because like while you're running, I would imagine you're having the same level of mindfulness. Like you are like mindful while you're running right in a way. Yeah, um, especially if you're running in silence, like <laughs> yeah, it's just and it, it's funny. So I I think there are kind of two sides. The one of the big differences uh, between running and meditation is that you're active. <laughs> it's like yeah. the extent to which you're using your body. Yeah. But I one of the right. things I like the most about it is that um, it it really connects you to your body, you know. And and yeah. I feel like I've learned so much about myself. Um, the way my body works and my appreciation for my body from yeah. from running and being able and like yeah. thinking and it's it, it so yeah I, and I, I i love that feeling and i'm about to say basically that i don't have it <laughs> but I, well i mean it, I, I spent so many years or i've spent so many runs running in anger um and working mm -hmm. through anger that i didn't get that meditative thing and 
um, it's only over these last few months as I'm dealing with another injury that I'm realizing that I have kind of as much as I love that connection that you get to your body and your connection to nature back to your original point. Um, I also have largely had a, a pretty antagonistic relationship with my body where it's like, yeah. I want to do this thing. And my body's saying, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe instead of doing that, we just stretch today. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> you body. I'm going to run up that hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. my knee goes out and I'm like, I shouldn't have run up that hill. Stupid body. You <laughs> let me down again. You know? And I'm, so that has been one of the biggest challenges is like doing it in a way that is mindful and positive and meditative and, um, and that's a, a big part of why my, when you first asked about like, or, or mentioned my seriousness, I'm like, I don't really know how serious of a runner I am right now. I can't wait to run again, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't intend to compete anymore. I don't really want to do that. I don't, I don't want that competitive drive because for me, that usually translates into negativity. And mm -hmm. I just want to run for the like, blissful, overwhelming sense of joy that I get from it instead of the like, I've got to push myself. And then once I'm at the starting line of a race, I've got to, I've got to beat that guy, you know, and yeah. that, and that guy is like 19 years old and runs competitively for Loyola <laughs> Marymount, you know, like, I'm not going to beat that guy. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's really interesting though. And I guess when I said that you were serious, I meant like, you know, I think a lot of people run or want to get into running. I have friends that they run their, you know, a few miles every day and it keeps them in shape and they love it and all that stuff. But it seems like uh, like at least when you move to L.A., you joined like a running club. Right. And um, and that it seems like you've escalated like the type of running that you do. I mean, like that. That's what I meant by that. Like you don't do. I don't think what the your run of the mill morning workout person does. And that's not what you were doing. Right. You just mentioned these competitive uh, scenarios where you're competing against people that go to Loyola. <laughs> yeah, I, like that seems like it's very taxing, and that's what that's what I meant by serious. Yeah, you know? I so I, I've run five marathons, which uh, it's funny because my my standards are so skewed. Where I'm like, I've only run five marathons. You know, I'm not that serious. <laughs> that's so <laughs> many. Everybody marathons, else, that's like that's. It's that's, you know, that's more, that's five more than everybody else. Yeah. That's what, like 130 <laughs> cumulative miles or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I ran, I've only run one since I came to LA, but also the, you know, the ultra relay. Um, right. So I was, I think I was more quietly serious about it yeah. before moving to LA. Um, I, and I, so, uh, when I started running, it was because, you know, I had always been athletic and I played one year of college soccer and um then in my 20s basically started partying and got pretty yeah. unhealthy and i was working in a restaurant in napa and i was i didn't like that i was, was like you know i had basically flamed out as a food writer and moved in with my ex's parents in you know one of the most beautiful places in the world so i can't complain about it at all but like professionally <laughs> i was like what am i doing with my life and i was smoking yeah. cigarettes i was drinking a lot um yeah been there yeah. yeah and so i was like i need to <laughs> i used to be so healthy and and i needed something and i was in this beautiful place and i literally like i've always run here and there and sometimes often um yeah but there was something that just clicked there between like my, my emotional needs my physical needs my level of maturity and mm. that's when like I, I ran one day and then i ran the next day and then i signed up for a half marathon and then a full marathon uh, but it was always, it was my time to be alone. It was my time to process my thoughts. It was often my time to work out any uh, angst or anger that I had, particularly mm -hmm. as my, a very serious long-term relationship was falling apart. Yeah. And then I moved to LA where I didn't know anybody. And I, so I, I, I was, I ran a race shortly. I ran a 5k shortly after moving here and saw people with a t-shirt that said Koreatown run club. And I was like, I live in Koreatown. I need, <laughs> I need friends and I run. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I followed them on Instagram for a couple of months before I finally showed up to a run. And then, um, it, it was largely, it wasn't necessarily the serious, I mean, it wasn't the seriousness of my running that led me to join a run club. It was the desire for a community. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I got, and it like, you know, obviously this is a podcast so people can't see it, but like behind me, there's a, a print of people running track. That's my run club. 
and oh, nice. you know it's there's the benefit of doing this in a, a incredible cosmopolitan place like LA and a very creative place like LA is a, a bunch of people who run with us are really talented photographers so we also get really cool stuff out of it and great images and yeah. stuff and got that at a got that poster at a or that print at a a, a fundraiser that we did you know for That's... for those photographers or with their work Huh. And very, it's one of my prized possessions. That's, I mean, hey man, that's that's really really cool, and I'm glad that you were able, that you had that outfit outlet to to do those things, and um, it's cool that you, I'm looking at it right now. That's 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 really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do this. I mean, I, it's cool to to have things on your wall. I think that like embody, like even I feel like kind of like self conscious around like I have like my own projects all like on the wall, um, and it's like stupid because. <laughs> they're not like famous or anything like that yeah. <laughs> uh, um but uh at the same time like i don't know it just kind of it just like you said it's very very important to me and i think having that stuff reflected in your house like and captured in that way is, is, is a good thing to do yeah for, for your own health absolutely and what you can't see is that it, not hanging on a wall right now because i just pulled it out of a storage unit is uh, a similar thing like i have posters from plays that I wrote years and years and years ago when I still lived oh, okay. in Baltimore. And it's the same thing where it's like, I'm so proud of having done that. And like, you know, I had got the posters or my, my parents got the posters framed for me as a Christmas present and yeah. one of my prized possessions, because it's that it's the source of like accomplishment of having done the thing and pride and uh, also motivation and like connects you to, I think frequently, especially with like creative projects or your creative experience like it changes you know when i was like 19 i wrote these how old was i like early 20s i wrote these yeah. plays and a friend and i like my friend directed them and like we rented a space and put these on and in a surprisingly professional way yeah. <laughs> and then that's awesome. yeah and then like but that's so far in my past and i have no interest in theater anymore really except as yeah. an a, occasional attendee. Um, but I'm glad <laughs> to have that, you know, connection to that, those things. So yeah. that's a way I'm like talking about myself in a way that I'm trying to make you feel better about having, you know, your own stuff. On your <laughs> no, <wall. laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, I think I th for sure. I, all those things contribute to who we are now, but um, I wanted to go back to, well, two things. So like you said, when you're running that you use running as a way to like work through anger or problems, like, how does that how does that work? Like, is it the act of running itself, or are you actively thinking and coming to realizations while you're while you're running? Um, because I mean, from someone who doesn't run at the level that you run, to me, this is running. Fuck, <laughs> oh, shit! Like, I, like I, I don't have time, you know. So I guess once you get into the flow, then you're like, okay, I'm in a flow now, and then you can kind of play the reel of like what's going on in your head. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, uh... I, I, there are two things that I spend most of my time thinking about when I'm running. One is doing math about how fast I'm going and how far I have left to go and my splits yeah. and all of that. That's kind of a running ticker going on in my head. But then I, mm -hmm. especially if it's a long, slow run. So if I'm running, you know, training for a marathon, you'll, you'll, you'll have a couple of weeks, uh, typically like four to six weeks out from the race where you'll run 20 to 24 miles, which is a very mm -hmm. far distance. And you're supposed to run it slower than your race pace. So my goal for those long runs is always to like, if my goal is a three hour marathon, I'm going to take four hours to run 24 miles. And mm -hmm. so you're going slow, much slower than your body can go typically and much slower than you usually do. And those are the times that I just sort of, um, I almost said Zen out, but it is so not yeah. Zen. Um, <laughs> I've just, I've had so many runs where like, you know, my, my ex-wife and I were fighting and I'm, uh, you know, just saying in my head, all of the things that I would never actually say out loud, or I wanted to, but like, we didn't have a, you know, like the places where our communication was breaking down. I would like, even if I said it, it wouldn't land the right way or like, why can't yeah. she see this thing? And, other times I would mm -hmm. have these arguments with nobody uh, right. where basically I would build up a straw man in my head and then <laughs> defeat the straw man because straw men yeah. are eminently defeatable. <laughs> right. 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 Um, I mean, that, that makes yeah. sense. That's, that's like, uh, it's kind of like it's, it's, it's putting space between, it sounds like to me, at least you're putting space between like 
uh, something that would trigger you, the reaction that you ho hope to have, um, you're, you're by you're using your runtime to increase that space so that that reaction is is well digested. You know, it's not. It doesn't sound like it doesn't put you in a position to do anything reflexive uh, or reactive. You know what I mean? You're yeah. able, like, I feel like by like taking time to play that stuff out and work it out through uh, something like running, where you're kind of getting it out physically anyway because you're sweating and you're you know you are getting a lot out of your system, literally. Um, I feel like that you're able to probably take whatever's on your brain and and churn it into something where it's like manageable and something that's like okay. Like, I know what to do with this after that, you know? That's a very generous interpretation. <laughs> no, I, I think in an ideal world, that's how it would be. I, for me, in practice, it's I, I think it's largely been pretty unhealthy. And now, oh, okay, I, okay. but to, it, in, I wish I was doing it that way. Um, yeah. And now I, I'm able to do a lot of the same things in a much healthier way and actually achieve what you're talking about through journaling. Yeah. You know, and okay. and so when I am doing something athletic, uh, which right now is not running, um, but if I if I go on like a really long bike ride or if I'm doing yoga, um, mm -hmm. I'm able to be in a more positive mind space. Uh, yeah. Mind space is that a word? It is now. Baby. Headspace is I think what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Yeah, it's just it's uh, in in many it it, it was a, almost a little toxic sometimes. Whereas, yeah. you know, I'm a very I'm not a good arguer, and so mm -hmm. I'm like I'm very slow. I'm very deliberate, which is good, which is like a good yeah. way to argue. But then yeah. I want sometimes you just want <laughs> to be more like this is just just you just want to say fuck you, and you you know in <laughs> practice that you can't. But then I'll spend you know an hour uh, running like telling people off <laughs> well i mean and, and i know you probably don't see it this way but it's like i would like you know i the way you're describing it, i think is actually a way like you said that is a good way to argue and that's a better way to be i've had to like put like it's been a battle the past few years between me and my impulses like i've had to put space in between my impulses you know what i mean and, and what you the way that you describe running seems like a good way to do that you know that's kind of why i was like oh i'm taking away i'm taking away from this conversation like you know this might be a good a good way to process things that are going because i like you said, there's a lot of parallels between like meditation and mindfulness and stuff. Um, so I kind of use that as a way to do that to, to sort of process what I'm immediately thinking at any given time before making a decision on how to move forward. I'm trying to add space to those decisions. And um, I mean, maybe to you, it might seem like frustrating because like you're 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 thinking of it like I'm negatively taking it all out where I run. But I think that that's probably actually a, a pretty healthy way to address that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, that because it keeps you grounded in in reality when you need it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense to me. I I do think that um, for me, and maybe it's just it's also partly a function of of not running right now. But I've gotten really really good at journaling over the last uh, maybe two years, especially lately. I think maybe the last six months. It's like pretty daily. Do you journal every day? I do. I do journal every day now. And but I um, yeah. I have a. a I have a, a, a tendency to experience pretty extreme anxiety attacks that can like knock me down. Um, yeah. And I, I have found running is a really good way to deal with that. Like super anxious, like that anxious energy where you're just vibrating at that really high level. Um, running is something that really helped. And so, and that, that would, part of it is you're just exhausting yourself. And part of it is you are getting that meditative sense um, calming mm -hmm. yourself down, you're breathing constantly, breathing regularly in a way that if you're having an anxiety attack, you can't normally. And also you are doing all those things that you're talking about. You're like thinking and ranting and raving, and then you're tired. And then it's like, it's over. It's in the past. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like, cause oftentimes I feel like anxiety, cause I, of course I have anxiety yeah, too. Everybody does. Can be born, can be born of, uh, it can be born of though, like an inability for your brain to make a decision one way or the other. Like, for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like we have, I, I, I think I'm not saying this is any sort of expert. I'm, I'm just saying speculating of my own brain just to make that clear to anybody listening that I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. But I think that we have um, kind of like fight or flight mechanisms in our brain th when we approach most situations. So it's like I'm either going to like fight right now or flight. And I feel like anxiety comes from like not being paralyzed to do either. You're just kind of like, I, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> so, so, so I can see how like running would help you be able to like 
pick a position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I mean, it is like literally flight. Like you. <laughs> yeah. I suppose so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I've never thought about it in those terms, but like that makes total sense. That that aligns with yeah. my experience. Yeah, I, that's really cool. But I mean, um, I'm trying to journal every day too. I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I I, I by journal. I, I think when I was younger with writing, I used to think journaling meant like I'm writing every day, like I'm writing pages every day. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm writing these like eloquent things about my thoughts every day. I kind of have started being easier on myself over the years with all creative stuff and journaling. Like I said, I don't like like you're hinting towards. I think I don't really use it necessarily as a creative outlet. It's more just like a way to manage my thoughts and, and stuff like that. Um, or just be observant of myself and my behaviors and just like what I'm thinking. But I do find that like, even just like taking, it's more about the, um, the time. Like if I take 45 minutes or an hour to quote unquote journal, I can write like a list. I can just write things like work. Sometimes I'll even draw the worst picture ever or something, but just like, just like doing that with no out, no expectation that people are going to read it. And it's like, what do I want to get out of it? You know what I mean? If there's no audience, um, I find that like, that's what journaling is to me. It's just like, it's just like me taking a second to just get like rust off my brain. You know, that's, that is, <laughs> I wish I was like that. Definitely. When I, <laughs> I, so I'm in the process of moving. So I just packed up all my books and I have like yeah. a whole box. That's just my journals going back to middle school. And yeah. especially during my, my early, my early adulthood, um, when I had es especially delusional delusions of grandeur, uh, yeah. especially, especially delusional and especially grand delusions of grandeur, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I saw so like on the one hand, I had this very pretentious, like Samuel Pepys, I'm going to, you know, one day somebody's <laughs> going to catalog my papers, you know, and yeah. analyze my life. But then also sure. like, you know, creative ideas and working out little pieces of stories. And I don't do that anymore. Sometimes if I'm working on a story, I'll like take some, mostly I take notes about like my progress and my goals as opposed to the story itself. Um, gotcha. But my, my journaling now, I do 15 minutes a day, uh, usually before bed. And, mm. um, and I did that because I had a therapist who said that there was, there was a study that like seven days of seven days straight of 15 minutes a day can has a measurable benefit for uh, major depressive disorder. And I was like, I need that. Let me, do. and then, you know, and then I couldn't, then I was like, I have to do it every day for fit. And then I, it would fall yeah. apart and then I would hate myself. Uh, right. <laughs> it was just like how that works. Um, yeah. And so like, there was something about when I stopped trying to do it consistently. Now it's just become part of my routine. And, right. but I do like, I actually, I have my journal right next to me and it's just like, I do a little bit of, you know, this is where I keep my to-do lists and stuff, but I just write, you know, I do just wow. write pages on the lines. I don't doodle. It's, it's mostly honestly like a catalog of the quality of my sleep at this point, because that's my, huh. my biggest focus and almost everything revolves around making sure that I'm getting a good night's sleep. And so if I don't, it's like, why well, didn't I? And, or I did. And so this is what I was able to do because I was well rested and interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I've never heard anybody describe it like that before. That makes sense. The, I never thought about the um, the quality of your sleep as a measurement of like what you need to <laughs> how things are going. You know, that's that's kind of an interesting thing. If that's the case, I should probably start your. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I so yeah. When I'm when I'm going through anything, sleep is the first thing that goes for me. And so I've had a I've had a couple of periods over the last couple of years, including the very beginning of the pandemic, where you know, super anxious, super stressed, um, and like an hour or two of sleep a night for extended periods, and you go like literally oh, crazy when that happens. So in, in yeah. 2019, I read a book called Why We Sleep. And I meant to actually look up because I talk about sleep all the time and I had a feeling I was going to bring it up today. And yeah. I think I think the author's name is Matthew Walker. And so that's mm -hmm. where I started to like, okay, I, I do. I, basically, I started like, I just want to be able to sleep. But reading that book was like, oh, and if I'm able to sleep, my immune system functions better and you're more creative and your body recovers from athletic activities better. And... <laughs> 
you're it's just everything and you're like you live mm -hmm. longer and you stay thin like every like it just sleeping well fixes everything that you could possibly think is wrong in your life <laughs> yeah. i genuinely believe yeah, that <laughs> i have that book on my list of books to read uh, highly so recommend it highly recommend it yeah my friend my buddy's a runner and he and i don't know if the two are related but he always says to read that book so uh, that's really interesting um, okay so so you're journaling do you feel like the that you're writing more now? Like, so earlier in the podcast, I was like, Hey, seems like you're right. I read your medium articles. Like you're writing a lot about running, um, or like how running has helped you with mental health wise. So let's just talk about writing. Yeah. Like, are you, are you dead? Are you feeling like you're going to, um, focus on this kind of area where I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about my experience or are you still going to go after the whole, like, uh, novelist thing like where are you at how's it going i desperately do not want to be one of those people who only writes about themselves okay. so <laughs> I desperately but, don't. but what if you are that person what if that works for you i don't want it to <laughs> basically they're pretty they're they're pretty compelling and they they help other people yeah you know i do appreciate i think that there will always be a component of that to my writing um we talked. I think we talked about this before you started recording. Uh, Medium was mm. was my or writing on Medium was one of my quarantine things. What are what are the yeah. the, the focus? Quarantivity. Yeah, is that a thing people yeah. say? I. Uh, so well, actually, someone on my other one of my other episodes, Risa Culberson, who you may remember. Oh yeah, dude, she's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember her? So she's awesome. She had little plug. It's a good episode, but she uh she she calls it i think she has like a youtube program called quarantivities i love that i uh yeah. i love a good portmanteau and <laughs> i love finding stuff to fill the days these days yeah um yeah yeah i mean it was so i started at i started writing on medium because i had one article or essay in particular that i wanted to write um about my really intense for a second uh yeah. you know about my like struggles with depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation and the way i sure. had the like for a long time running was the only thing i had i, I didn't have a therapist i couldn't afford therapy i did, obviously wasn't medicated uh yeah and but it, that was like that very very helpful and it also was quite a bit about the like the community of runners that i found after moving to la um mm -hmm. and I didn't want, honestly, I just, I, I didn't want that like affected by anybody else's editorial decisions. I didn't want to try to sell that either. I, um, and medium is great for that. And so that was the first thing that I posted. It got, they have a, a curation system. It got, you know, picked up by the, the curators and the, the mental health space there. And then mm -hmm. when the quarantine started and I like, it, it, it really, um, I think it forced a, a lot of people to look like at the because the, the, it threw everybody's plans into disarray. And so you had to look like what what yeah. are the things that I want to be doing in my life? Because it also like with, you know, half a million people dead in our, our country, it really like vivified yeah. this idea that like you, it, this is one, the only life you have and two right. um, could be cut short. So like, how do you want to be spending your time? What are the things you value most? What are the your goals? Like what? brings you joy and how can you harness that and for me um, I really got away from my desire to be a running coach which was something that I had been working towards before then and that's when I started writing about running um, mm. but so I, I started using medium as just a way to uh, get some people to read my writing it's great for that yeah. and I was trying really hard to write consistently and because I had been taking all of these coaching classes and have a, quite a bit of experience running I was writing about it um i don't i you know i i don't want to run like or i, I don't want to write like you know best things you can do to improve your writing your <laughs> see you can't I even can, say them uh, i can't even say it yeah like running and writing are my two favorite things and the words are just a little too similar <laughs> uh, but i don't i just don't i don't want to write those things anymore and they performed very well in medium and the lesson i kind of got from that was that I don't like the reward structure in medium. It rewards, yeah. you know, uh, clickbaity headlines and listicles. And I don't want to be that mm. above all is what I don't want to be writing. Um, right. so now entering 2021, uh, I do intend to keep writing on medium, but, uh, less and yeah. more thoughtfully. 
So uh, I, I posted twice in January, and I, I I wrote something yesterday that I submitted to a medium publication. We'll see if it gets picked up. But like I was trying to do like three or four essays uh, or blog posts a week last summer, nice. and you know that's like one way to be. You know, if you want to be successful on medium, that's how you do it. I don't want to be successful on medium. I want to be successful beyond that. So I was also right. I spent. Um, the second, so at the beginning of a, I started working on a novel that was like super autobiographical at the beginning of the pandemic and went through a couple rounds. I wrote the first, the, basically the first act, if you think about it in like mm -hmm. uh, screenplay terms, um, and yeah. went through a couple rounds of revisions with a, a friend of mine from the running community down here who at the time was an agent's assistant for one of the big talent agencies. Now she's at, um, at a TV network, I think doing, um, I think she's in the development world. Is super, super smart and great at giving notes and was like trying to get better at giving notes too because it's a big part of her job. And so we went through a couple right. rounds of revisions and I was really satisfied with it narratively, but I also, I, I, I read, you know, book deals and Publisher Weekly and um, knew that it wasn't a very saleable idea, at least as a first novel. And so I just kind of put it back in my back pocket but I did, I had this other story idea that um, has been rattling around in my brain since 2006. And I decided, I was like, I've got the time. And I set up a, a schedule, set up a spreadsheet uh, with my nice. with my word count goals. And um, <laughs> with the- New tab. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the, I, so I, no, I started the, the new tab in 2021 when I started draft two. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right, right. I, this was a whole fresh spreadsheet. Um, right. But so I, 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 my goal was to finish the first draft of this novel by the end of the year. And I did, and I, I finished it and, and wow. still loved it. That was the, thank you. Thank you. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's actually the second first draft of a novel I finished the first one. By the time I finished it, I was like, this is garbage. I hate it. I never want to look at it again. And I've looked at it since. And I still think that way. Okay. This one, I, I still loved it after hundreds of hours of work over four months, I still loved mm. it when I finished it. I maybe loved it more wow. when I finished it than when I started. And when I started revising it, I'm again, like, I really like it. And so that's I great. love that. That's what I'm going to do when we, you know, hang up today. I'm going to, I have it scheduled to do an hour of revisions today. And, nice. um, and actually, and going back to the, the morning thing, the sleep, it's like realizing that I could get up early and work on it before work is a big part of why I was able to finish it. I started using that. I'm so creative in the mornings, the way that you are at night. I'm that way, like literally at 5 a.m., you know, wow. but 5 a.m., but like I, I have gone to bed as opposed to 5 yeah, a.m. Yeah, and I'm yeah, still up. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. Or maybe 6 a.m. these days. I get up at 5.30 and I make my coffee and I putz around. That's so yeah. <laughs> I want to get yeah. there, man. I'm with you. Um, get there if that's where you want to be. <laughs> that's where yeah. it's where i want to be what's it well what's it called what you wrote it's called the fairy tree i nice. love fairy okay. it's a little magical realism it's uh yeah. the fairy it's about your experience in napa valley right? a little bit yeah it's uh <laughs> <laughs> literally um uh, it's based on a guy i knew when i worked in the wine industry uh yeah. but the the so the idea has been rattling around in my brain for a long time it's a uh, it's a you know a, a long lived Irish legend that I heard. I had a, the first time I went to college, which is a whole mm -hmm. other episode of this podcast, um, yeah. or maybe a whole other, an episode of a completely different podcast. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I played, so I, I went to college I, for one year playing college soccer, um, blew out my shoulder, realized I didn't like the school that I was at, moved back to Baltimore and was doing, that's when I wrote the plays. Um, but in yeah. that first year I was playing soccer with a guy from Northern Ireland and we were super, super close. And so I visited him a couple of times and on one of those trips, he explained the legend of the fairy tree to me and it like stuck in my brain. I was like, I want to do something with that, but obviously I can't set it in Ireland cause that would be too pretentious even for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like even for me at my most pretentious at 20 years old, that yeah. was too much for me. Um, yeah, so it's been, go. it's, yeah. <laughs> I had I had just just enough self awareness to realize that. Yeah, um, yeah. 
And then I think it was maybe 2015 or 2016, I was driving through the Salinas Valley and I was like, oh, I, you know, if that's, and I was, I was um, getting into, I was working on a screenplay at the time that was more in exercise than actually like, I'm going to yeah. sell this screenplay. Um, it, was, it was, you know, uh, interpreting a novel for the screen. And uh, it was mostly just to break down the story and, and learn a, a completely different style of writing, which if there's anybody listening to this, who's an aspiring writer was the best thing I've ever done for my writing was learning to write a script because you learn to economize your words. You learn how to really make the most of every single word that you write. So valuable. Right. Just from that, I spent a whole year on the screenplay. That's never going to see the light of day. Um, Damn. and it was worth it, but anyway, so that's an aside. So at the time I was like, I was really yeah. into film though. And like, it just, and so I was driving through the Salinas Valley and I was like, oh fuck, I could set it here and make it, and this is going to be really pretentious. I could set it here and make it very like Steinbeckian and have, you know, it's an Irish legend, but it could have these, you know, intense American Christian elements and it'd be very, uh, yeah. And, uh, I actually, that was the one that I tried to write that and I got three chapters into it and I was like, I can't do this. I don't know Salinas well enough. I don't know the crops there. It, there there's a yeah. pandemic and I can't, I would love to go up for a week. You take a week off work and go and do the research and meet people, but can't do that during the pandemic. And, yeah. and it would be an awful thing to try to do in one of California's agricultural valleys because the pandemic is hitting those places so hard. Um, but then I just, for funsies, I wrote out a story that was bouncing through my brain on some runs. Cause that's a part of running that we haven't talked about is sometimes frequently creative ideas come to me on my runs and I'll, you know, let them nice. germinate. And huh. so just this very, very short, maybe 500 word story set in Calistoga and, uh, and I just loved revisiting that place, uh, you know, that I knew pretty well from when I worked in the, the wine industry. And it, it, I just, I loved being back there in my imagination. And that was, was like, oh shit, I just put the fairy tree here. And there was a, a grower, this, this old hippie guy, you'd love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, I basically, I, I, I need to talk to him. Um, yeah. Uh, because like, I, I basically set it very, very close to where his actual farm is. And, um, and actually, and calling it a farm is a big, is like a, a crucial piece of the narrative because like he thinks of himself as a farmer, not a grower, which is the term usually used in California. Um, right. and once I, once I moved it to the Napa Valley, um, especially like Calistoga, which is you know, as far up the Valley as you can go. And it's a, a little weird and yeah. it's small and fewer tourists it's just a different place than the lower napa valley that most people visit um once i moved it to there it's just like the words just flew out of me and it was so easy to write wow yeah. that's a uh, it's pretty magical man. yeah sorry that was a very long answer to your question no 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 i mean that's what it, i mean that's what it's all about dude I, i'm a big believer in that like you know like you the conditions have to be right to make your best, to make your, to make it yeah. work. You know what I mean? Like you got to set the stage. You got to, you got to, uh, that's, um, I, I can, I mean, I really relate to what you're saying. Um, and cause it's like, I mean, on a, on a different level, like with, with COVID, like I, I like, like you, like similarly, like I had, I was struggling to get things out or like make things. Like I always just had this pressure, like you should be doing things. You have ideas, you should make things. But I, I, then I would just resent myself that I couldn't, I just couldn't do it, you know, or didn't know what to do. Um, I did some things like I used to do stand up and stuff in the old world and all that stuff, but, uh, but I couldn't do it. And like when we started doing quarantine or like sheltering in place, I was alone for three months in an apartment in Keyport, New Jersey. And, um, you know, I was spending all of my time previous to that out at bars, <laughs> at comedy clubs, at shows, at concerts, like, that was like the life I thought I wanted to be living. And when that stuff all got like suddenly evaporated and like, so suddenly I'm just sitting in a kitchen in pretty much my hometown alone. And there was like, you're not going to see, it was like, you will not see anybody for months probably. So get comfortable. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I found that in that, at that time, that's when stuff just started to pour out again. Like 
you I had removed this like expectation that I had of how it was supposed to happen, you know, and like I didn't do what you didn't write a whole novel, but it helped me unblock like passions in a way like I used to play a lot of music when I was a kid. I started playing guitar like all day, every day while I was, uh, you know what I mean? And I didn't do it because I wanted to, like you said before, I like, have somebody catalog what I'm doing or, or just be uh, this famous person. Like I just found I was doing things like I did when I was a kid just because like they, I actually like like doing it and didn't care. Um, and it just sounds like like with this story that you wrote, it's kind of it's similar parallel in a way because you were able to like realize that like you just had to make this like when I feel like when you zoomed out of all the things you were thinking about writing, you were able to just make this this little shift into something that really mattered to you. And it all kind of just like it's like unblocking a faucet. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I love hearing that about your experience because I, I it, as I've been thinking about this, you know, like you said at the top of this, we haven't talked in the last maybe two and a half years. And um, I've been really, really curious how, because your, your creative outlets were like intensely in person, you know, like you, yeah. I know a couple of people who are like trying to do the, the stand up thing in LA. And then all yeah. of a sudden, like, they were doing open mics over Zoom, which just yeah. fuck that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to do them sometimes, but fuck yeah. that. Yeah. And so I, um, it's you know, yeah, like like I said, it really uh, the constraints imposed on us by, uh, and I, I, this is I need to say the the constraints imposed yeah. upon us by a virus, not by you know, governments or things like by a virus, right, of course. um, right. they, it, it just threw everything into disarray. You had to kind of figure it out. And, um, I'm really happy to hear that that has turned out well for you. It genuinely. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, well, for, I think for me, the isolation, and I've said this actually in a few episodes of the show, but like, haven't gotten into this much detail, like it shines it it just put a light on everything. It was like it was like you're living your life up until 2020 in a, in sort of in a way it's dark. And then there's like a like it's like turning the lights on in the middle of the night. That's what it felt like for me. And suddenly I was able to like see, you know, like oh, like that doesn't seem like it's working yeah. and that probably isn't. And like um yeah, for me it was like I it was really it helped me give up things that I wouldn't have thought to stop doing or give up. Uh like going out all the time or like focusing on like my social life as the primary focus of my life if I hadn't got it taken away. But then I quickly like realized like, Oh, none of this stuff really matters to me. Like it, it like, it was like oh, the fastest transformation where I was like, Oh, like I don't miss going out literally at all. I don't miss. Yeah. With stand up and stuff, it's been hard, but like there's been benefits. Like you can question like, should I have been doing stand up before 2020? Because I would get up there. Sometimes I would get some laughs. Like there was a few nights where I, you know, obviously, uh, sometimes you're successful, but sometimes I would truly bomb. I didn't feel like I had a voice. I didn't like, you know, I felt like I was kind of mimicking people that I liked or I had a sense of what I wanted to do, you know. But with with 2020, dude, like suddenly it was like, oh, all the people I met, because like one of the fortunate things about the past few years in New York was that I, I was meeting a lot of people going to stand up clubs and stuff like that, you know. And then suddenly I'm like talking to them like this on Zoom and we're like writing together and like talk and like instead of doing shows, I took time to like learn how I write jokes and like workshop things and like find a more of an identity. And like um, so now when I can go back for reels, I feel like I'll be in way better shape. So it's like all those the year was full of little lessons like that. Like, should you have been doing stand up with no with no real clear like understanding of what you're even doing? Like now I have like a, after a year of like workshopping, talking, working through ideas, meeting people virtually. I like can't wait for the day if it ever comes where like you would attend a normal stand up show. You know, I've I've done a couple like shows with three people like in like a, a tundra with like you know outside. <laughs> like, it's not it's but it's, <laughs> it's not good. Um, and the Zoom ones are like I find pretty easy to get laughs because it's like uh, like I don't think it's representative of like a real stand up show because everybody's like we're on Zoom like say something fun. like you know it's like I don't know it's it's weird. But anyway, the point is, like, yeah, man, that's what 2020 was like. Like, it just kind of was like, oh, you want to do this thing? Well, here's all the things you're missing before you can do that thing. That's what it was like. Yeah. Um. I, <laughs> I love that so much. I, uh, yeah, that all that resonates so much. I, I, not, not that I want to plug my Medium posts, but no, please do. pretty early on, I, I 
before I was able to actually execute anything, I, I did have that thought, like, this is the, a, a moment that where we all, and not just us privileged knowledge workers, but like everyone has to take a moment to think about what you value most. Um, yeah. And I, I think the title of that Medium post was take this moment to whatever <laughs> you value my or. Oh, no, I mean, hey, uh, I'll, I'll put the link no, in, in this no. that, That's not my best one. That's not my best work. Okay. No, but it's something that I've thought about an awful lot and, and really resonates with me. Because like my first attempt at a novel, so my, my, the fairy tree, it's like magical realism. And I don't really read magical realism. Um, and yeah. I've always had this thing, like, I think I said this offhand, maybe before we started recording, like, you know, I live, I literally live in Hollywood. And yeah if I just wanted to get paid to write, I could try to be a TV writer, but I don't really watch TV. So why do I think <laughs> that I should be able to write a TV show? Um, and I've even thought that with like genres um, of, of like just any kind of fictional genre. But so I mostly read spy novels and mystery and crime fiction. And I just love that like kind of uh, hard, you know, stuff. It's just easy yeah. reading. You get through it. You're, you know, razzled and dazzled really quickly and everybody's grumpy and an alcoholic. It's just so much fun right. to read. <laughs> it's so much fun to read. Um, and yeah. so my first attempt at a novel was a spy novel. And I was like, I can't write this shit. I love to consume it, but I can't write it. And, um, and it was a very similar thing where it's like, I, I shouldn't, you know, it's hard to say I shouldn't have been trying to do that because it was yeah, it was yeah. a valuable exercise, I think. And um, I did right. learn some lessons just about the my my personal creative process that I was able to apply last year. But really, um, it was it was a very different thing, like taking a moment and sitting down and and really choosing what world did I want to be taken to in my imagination and writing that world instead of so this, is, instead of like trying to write something that I thought would sell, because that was the big thing was like, yeah. I read spy novels, spy novels sell. I'm going to write a spy novel and sell it like easy formula. And it was, it, yeah. it did not work with my strengths. Didn't work with like, if I have any place in a traditional fiction publishing world, which I, pro yeah, I probably don't because that's such a hard world to get into. But if I have any place there, it's not going to be by forcing myself to be a mystery novelist. Yeah, like, I'm not sure. going to be able to do that. So a very similar thing with completely different uh, arenas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, at the same time though, the attempts, you know, and then like the, and the, the kind of the failing and the breaking of things it also helps you make those discoveries too of like where you feel like you belong absolutely okay well hey man i appreciate you coming on i really wanted to talk to you about cats but i'm going to save that for next time because <laughs> okay. uh I, I would use a lot of your time today and uh so in the next episode when you come on we'll talk exclusively about cats for an hour but uh, i wanted to uh thank you for coming on and uh i hope you enjoyed your your time here and i hope we stay in touch without even without recording i hope we continue to yeah. Engage. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I say thank you as though I heard anything that you said. My internet just gave out. So it sounded... It, uh, I was wondering why you were looking at me like that. <laughs> it was, looked like you were saying very like, nice things. So I, I, genu I, I genuinely appreciate you having me on. It's um, This was... Uh, I, it was a good conversation. We always have good conversations once every three years. Yeah, it was fun, man. And I, I hope you stay in touch and I wish you all the success. Um, I will put a link to Alex's Medium articles in the show biography and uh we'll look for the book man yeah 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 coming yeah, soon yeah. in 2024 yeah and i hope that your body rehabilitates yeah. quickly and you're able to uh, run to nevada as soon as, as soon as possible. yeah thank you so much it, 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 this was this was a great time uh, thank you all right man all right thanks again bye. bye all right that was my chat with alex hancock get out there and run everybody run around i'll see you next week thank you to my guest alex enjoy march have fun be cool <laughs>